sudden. Good, good morning, everyone. Um, I am Jenny Walk from Elephant in the Room Consulting, and I'm excited to introduce Kylie Mowbray Allen from Hello Media. We are here for bite-sized conversations, which we do every Friday morning, and I'm so excited to talk because today we're talking about end of financial year prepping. Yes. Hi, Jenny. Good to see you on this uh, chilly, beautiful morning. I know my hands are freezing. <laughs> I love the chill. So I'm very excited to be talking end of financial year. It's the 10th of June. We've got, you know, a couple of weeks left to go before it's before it's the start of a new beginning. So yesterday morning, I had this wonderful um, speaker join our um, action takers group coaching, who is Phoebe Dre. And she used to be a tax accountant. And now she's a finance um, success coach. So I invited her in to come and talk to the group about preparing for end of financial year. And it was, you know, you and I both work with that kind of thing with our clients all the time anyway, but it was really interesting hearing it coming from a different perspective from the accountant's point of view which uh, was really awesome. So I definitely picked up some tips and also was reminded of some, you know, some things that I, you know, that go by the wayside. So, yeah. And what I loved is she said that she finds um, 30, 30th of June far more exciting than New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> that is such an accountant thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> Unless you're in the US and then the 30th of September would be her favourite day. Um, <laughs> Zealand, it's actually end of March. End of March, yes. So look, that we have different different end of years. It's so very strange. And I, I yeah, I, I, March one I don't get, but even September one I don't quite get. Um, yeah. I think, well, I also think the end of financial year is such an opportunity. I, I, and I know we're talking about prepping and getting your, you know, your books in order. I'm, I'm finalizing, you know, making sure that things like are ready for my BAS statements and my end of financial years and reporting and stuff like that as a company. And all those, you know, Things that we don't really like to do, and it's not my favorite place to play. I'm not going to lie; I don't like playing in the in the space of zero and bas statements and PLs. It's not my fun. It's not my happy place. Um, but what I find what's great about this time of year, it's an opportunity for your business, as you said, to kind of refresh, and it gives you a, a platform to make, you know to change the way you do your business because at the end of financial year is like a close. And so you can either run a sale if you're a product-based business. Um, if you want to try and get some revenue towards the end, you can offer discounts for people to pay you before the 30th of June. If you want your revenue to look good at this financial year, or you can actually use it as an opportunity, which we've been talking about is pivoting your pricing, changing your pricing or completely refresh everything because you can say, that tax year is gone and it's a whole new year. So let's start fresh. And I think that's so much opportunity at this time of year. Absolutely. And something you said earlier before we um, went live was, started recording, was about making sure that you've got all those debtors in place, you know, so that you're actually signing off and finishing that end of that financial year. Yeah. So, and I think we often forget though, when you're particularly if you're a small business and you kind of and you're and you're new to the business or just kind of getting started, the idea of kind of managing your revenue on a finance on a June to June basis or June to July basis can be a bit strange because we're always thinking what's our calendar year. And so getting into that mindset that you want to have your books closed off and the maximum amount of revenue you can get into your financial year, because that's when you're looking at business growth, when you're looking at potentially for finance and for business loans 
expenditures or business capital expenditure, they're looking at financial years. They're looking at how much you've done in that year to 30th of June. So you might have the most amazing July, which looks good if you're looking at a calendar year, but if you want to actually maximize your potential for your business, it's that 30th of June date that really does matter when it comes to kind of business growth and long-term metrics. Yes, absolutely. Also gives you such a beautiful opportunity to start looking at your goals for next year. So or yep. next financial year. And what do you want to do differently? So looking at what was really awesome about this last financial year. What did you meet your money goals? Did you meet your sales goals, et cetera? Did you not? And if not, do you know why not? Because it's fine if you didn't, but it's really important to understand, you know, what happened. And if you did, what can you do more of so that you meet them and beyond for next year? So, yeah, I definitely love this opportunity to, to really sit down and nut it out. And one of the things that Phoebe said yesterday, which I really loved, was spend one day, uh, one full day out of your business every 90 days so that you can take a look, assess, etc. And I talked to her about you know, my love of the CEO day, for example, which mm. I've not been doing weekly of late. It's been more like fortnightly, but it's still something that I've calendared that I make it really happen so that I can look at figures and look at all the things. So, but I also really, but that to me is all a business. Whereas she was saying every 90 days, one day just to get stuck inside zero. And you and I both feel the same way. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a happy place. But just getting used to being in there, looking at it, et cetera, is so important. It is, and it really is. But also, I think, and also to what to what Phoebe said and what you're saying there is when you actually look across your whole year, you can act it actually helps you forecast. It actually helps you understand where is my where are my lean months and where are my really strong months. And when if you, if you look at a quarter and say, look, January, February, March was actually my best sales month of the year, months of the year. But I find that, you know, it might be May or August is a bit light on. So you can actually have a look and saying, well, you don't actually have to change that. Your cycle might be. And January to March is your major sales cycle. But when you're forecasting, it lets you know that that's when you also want to have your major expenses because you're not going to have the revenue to match any, any large expenditure in those slightly leaner months. So when you start to look at end of year, we also go back and say, well, what does that look like over the last couple of years? Are you in rapid growth? So elephant in the room, we're in pretty, we're pretty strong growth at the moment. And in the last two to three years, our how our byline has changed so much that we can't, we're actually sort of saying, okay, well, what does stable look like for us? What do we, how do we develop that? And is it through retainers? Is it through large contracts that we pitch or is it through the coaching program? So it gives us that opportunity to say, well, where are our strong months? How do we level that out? Is there a way like a subscription model, like a 12 month coaching program where you're going to get regular income every month? Or do you actually want to run your business in a peak and trough? And there's nothing wrong with that if you understand what that means for your expenses and the way that you use your cash flow. Peaks and troughs is a really interesting one, isn't it? And so many businesses, whether service-based or product-based, have that really big, big peak and trough thing going on. So, for example, if you're product-based, sometimes it's January that you really have a big fat slump. Um, and then are you only peaking when it's sale time? Because that in itself is concerning if you're only doing well because you're having these big sales like Black Fridays or, you know, whatever like that. So, yeah, looking at how you can actually, um, what's the word, Jenny, like iron it out a little so yeah. that there's a little bit more predictability and a little bit more stability. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think, and that that stability is what you create. And when we talk about this, you know, good businesses are created by habits and systems, and right. So that's what it's sustainable, it's repeatable, and you create this habit. And so with your businesses and the way that you with business and the way you're selling and getting revenue, and it's exactly the same thing. If you know what your cycle of your business looks like, you can actually then you know forecast expenditure. You can actually decide when you're going to take a break. And if you always know that August is a lean month for you then do what the Italians do and go on holiday. Like take August off instead of having to wait till Christmas or deciding you're going to do it around Easter or one of the larger holidays. Make a choice of when you're going to have your break for your business around some of those times so that you can actually plan for that because or you use that time for your business planning. You take that time and say, look, this month is not a high sales month. It's traditionally never a high sales month for us. So we're going to still do our promotions but actually, August is now the time where we do all our business planning. We do our review of our goals. We do our sessions. We might do our team days. All those activities that help drive the back end of the business, you can plan for based around where your, where your revenue is. So it, you may not have, you don't want to have like one huge month and 11 low ones. That's never good for anybody. But if you know there are three or four seasons in your business, then work to those seasons. Don't try and make it. And don't worry if you don't have the same revenue every month, as long as you actually can forecast that, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And make it up in other months. I love this fact that you're saying when you're having, like, say, August is your quiet month, then actually really utilize that. Like you said, do your business planning. Get really stuck into other, or take a holiday, of course. But, you know, we've all got to find time in our business or make the time to actually spend it working on it and making plans, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah I think that's so important. So, Jenny, what's a big one for you that you're doing in the lead up to end of financial year for both you and your clients? Um, for me, particularly, it's definitely around getting all the paperwork done. So looking at all those kind of ducks in a row to say how we're, what, what we're looking at in terms of, you know, I've been traveling a lot for work. So what often goes to the wayside when I'm traveling a lot are things like the expense reconciliations and all those things that you kind of push aside because you're busy. So planning those days and making sure that all that information is captured so you can close off the year really cleanly. But for me, it's actually about saying to people, what does this look like for you? This is, this is yes, it's an important time from a financial perspective. From a business cycle, it's also the end of quarter two. So what does that look like in your business? How have you gone with your goals? And it's an opportunity for us to reflect on what are the things that are outstanding that we said we were going to do last quarter or at the start of this quarter that we're not doing? What do we need to change? What do we need to shift in order to enable us to achieve those outcomes? If not this quarter, then prepping correctly or properly for the next quarter so that you can actually hit the ground running and not feel kind of weighed down by the things you didn't do. Yeah, that's so good. And what about you? What are you telling, what are you working with your clients, particularly this time when there is a lot of sales with your, with your clients that you're doing your social media and you're promoting around how they're going to build their engagement with their clients? What's the advice you're giving your clients? I've got a couple of clients who were actually doing some ginormous clearance sales. So just getting rid of stock that's been sitting there for a really long time. You know, at the end of the day, it's money on the shelves, isn't it? So let's get it out. Let's get it moving and make way. So whether you're trying to move in another direction or just, or it's just time to, to clear out. And one of our clients, and we were we've been talking about it a fair bit lately. Um, it's because it has used by dates. So that can be really, really tricky. In the last couple of years, forecasting how much product they're ordering, et cetera, et cetera, um, to get it, because we've had so much change in the last two and a bit years. Yeah. So trying to forecast how much of that product is going to sell, 
and what are you going to do with it when it gets to that nearly nearing use by date, etc. So clearing all of that out has been a really you know good thing. Plus, it's a great way to inject some cash into your business. So that's been an interesting one. Is is looking at that, yeah. I love that idea about clearing out stuff that's on a shelf. I think we also forget that. Again, this comes. A, this is a financial conversation, right? So your product on your shelves are an as, is an asset to you, but it's also a liability because there's an expenditure that's gone out, significant expenditure that may have been written off or have been expended in two or three years ago or previous uh, financial season ago. So if you can actually, even if you if it's sitting on the shelves and you're going, oh no, I'll sell it over time, the sooner you get that stock out, the more the the more likely you're actually going to be able to find new stock or new engagement and find ways to engage your market. So I think there's this kind of conversation. What am I trying to say? What is that when you if you've got stock that's been on your shelves for a long time, as long as you're not losing money on it, because it's sitting there, the longer it sits there, it's costing you to sit there. Mm. And we often forget the cost that, the, that your business wears by having stock on the shelf. Like there's actually an ongoing cost for that, whether it's if it's a product that requires storage in terms of specific storage, it might be just the space that it's taking us. You can't put up new, you can't bring in new items. You can't actually promote anything new because of that stock that's on the shelf. So as long as you're not selling it below cost and you're not losing significant amounts of money on it, if you can sell it just above your cost level or have a wholesale, you know, have a wholesale sale, if you like, and really move that and shift that product. It actually allows you to get um, new product, new stock, but also reduces that ongoing kind of sunk cost that the business is wearing. Yeah, absolutely. So also when you've got a business with a type of product base that actually changes a lot. So having that old stock is going to potentially look old. Yeah. So it's not in style anymore or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are very nervous about making their money back. But yeah. if you're if you're discounting it at above your cost price, then yeah. you're still making something on it. You haven't completely lost, and you're getting a chance to clear out, make space, and then and have a bit of a cash flow injection. So, and it's a really and it links back to the conversation we had about preparing your business like you're going to be a wholesaler. So if you have that wholesale markup put into your price already, so you might be selling as a retail price, but you've actually determined your retail price based on that gap with the wholesale market as well. If you could literally just call it a wholesale price sale. So you're selling it at wholesale. So you're still making your profit. You're still making a profit of it. It's your wholesale profit. You're just not making that extra retail profit. So actually what it says to your clients, it actually signals to the clients also that it's time for a change. It's time to new, new uh, to kind of refresh and renew. But what it does is it brings clients back to the business. And so yeah. if, you, if, they, if that product's been sitting there and you know it used to be, as you said, it's starting to look old or it's last year's season, not everybody worries about the seasons and the look. Some people just want that product. So you retarget, and this is where the work you're doing with your marketing and talking with clients around email marketing and promotions and that regular engagement is so important, isn't it? Because you don't want to not to, not to have talked to your clients for 10 months and then in this month go, it's a sale now come back to me and buy stuff you haven't spoken to me for a year so that ongoing marketing work and that groundwork that you've been doing with your clients is so critical at this time absolutely i couldn't agree more so i also think that getting that sale out there you can't just think that and particularly if you haven't been doing enough with your socials and your marketing etc then gosh i've realized i said etc a lot today but <laughs> but if you haven't been putting it out there enough, then when you have a sale that you want to announce, who's who's there to hear about it? 
they're not actually had they haven't they haven't been engaging with you already then they're not going to see that post about your sale so one way to get around that is don't be afraid to spend money to make money so put it out there as a facebook ad chuck two hundred dollars on it because that two hundred dollars might get you you know well over two thousand dollars so you never know what might come of it what about those service based so if we're thinking of um, I often give the example of a naturopath, don't I? But something where people will book book something with you. What can you do, do you think, at the end of financial year? I think if you try to boost your revenue in a service-based business to try and get that client, there's a, there is a risk here. So put the caveat on this, that when you're doing a sale at the end of the financial year to try and get people to book maybe packages and pay now for services they're going to get in the future, just be mindful how many of those you want to sell. So you might actually say, I only want to do 10 of those because if you're selling six sessions or five sessions at a bulk rate for this financial year, you still have to deliver those five or six sessions per person in the next year and you're not going to get revenue next quarter for that so for so and i've seen service pay, service businesses do that they sell a package of 10 now they do a really cheap price because they want to get that revenue into this financial year but then they next have to then spend the next three months delivering those services and they don't have time to actually fill their books with paying clients or paying for the next season or they don't quarantine that money in their account. So they're actually spending it now and not, not keeping it for the next quarter when that service is actually being delivered. So, oh, for, so, true. so what I often say is if you've got a, a large program that you're delivering, so it might be a 12-month program, it might even be a three- or six-month program, now might be the time to, to add a bonus to your, to your service. So it's an end-of-financial-year bonus. So rather than thinking of discounting, what is something additional that you can give them? So you might you might be running a workshop that you've already got tickets booked for. So you might actually add value in saying, if you join my program, you can now come to that workshop for free because it's no longer a cost for you. You're not adding extra time to your books. You're not adding extra, um, you're giving lots of value, but it's not taking away from your delivery time. So thinking about how you can actually add value. So don't, don't ever think that you only have to discount at the end of financial year. A really great example are car manufacturers. What they do is they say to you, now is the time, end of financial year, and we're going to give you the end of financial year bonuses. So we're going to add in a bull bar if it's a trade vehicle, or I'm going to add in, you know, paint protection or whatever it might be that looks like there's all these extra things that are added that they probably would have thrown in anyway, but the way they position it is that it's on top of what you're already paying. So it's about a value discussion. So for service-based businesses, I would say, look at things that you're going to add value so that a $6,000 program might now have a value of $7,500, but they only pay $6,000. So therefore, I'm getting value and benefit for this end of financial year sale. If you do though want to discount, then just be mindful about what that's doing to your overall brand. So I think for service-based businesses, discounting when you're talking coaching, naturopathy, any of those services, discounting can actually signal to the market a different thing. So you're better off trying to find ways to add value at this time and encourage people to start the project or, you know, even just sign up. You know, it might be you might sign up for this financial year and instead of having to pay $2,000 as your sign up, sign up fee, it might only be $500. So they only have to pay a small amount now, but that secures them for the next financial year program. So look at ways that you can add value or change the way that you structure it, but don't ever um, give away your time because that's when you actually start to have a loss leader down the track. I 
totally, totally agree with you. So rather than diminishing what you're worth or lessening what you're worth, give benefits. Yeah. So I love that. And an extra thing that I do or something else that I do as well in terms of service space and for my own is I spend the month leading up to end of financial year, letting people know that there is a price rise as of July 1st. So if you still want in at this price, it's available at this price until 30 June. Yeah. And then after that, it's going up. So again, it's giving that sense of urgency, but it's also giving them the warning. So rather than just boom, send out a newsletter on the 1st of July and go, guess what, guys? You just missed out on that. And boom, here's the new pricing. So yeah, yeah making sure people have got ample warning if you are going to be um, price rising. And as we talked in the last couple of weeks, that this is a really it is a really good time to price rise because if you if that's what you need to do, because you can actually if you've been doing having a look at your books and you're working through over the last couple of months, looking at to see what your costs and your expenses are, or you've been looking at the market to see where you sit in the market, it might be that when you've done your reconciliation, you're like, actually, my costs are seven or eight percent more now to deliver this product. So therefore, I need to at least raise my prices by maybe 10 percent just to cover that price rise. And so being open and transparent about doing that, as you said, the sooner you start educating your clients on that and giving them that lead time, the more likely they're going to respond positively rather than say, oh, no, I'm not paying an extra $10 a month now because that's too much. If you had told them three or four weeks before, it's only going to go up $10 a month or it's going to go up $15 a month, I can wear that. That doesn't seem too much for me because I can understand the reasoning. Yeah, definitely. So love that chat this morning, Jenny. Thank you so much. I love talking into financial year. Yes. um, I'd definitely like to talk next week with you all about cash flow and how can we make sure that we've got more cash on hand. And I think what you just said before about um, if you do big sales now or you're trying to get them buying in advance, then are they then not going to be buying for quite some time? And then you're with no cash flow so cash flow is a really big one and years ago I was talking with my accountant when I had the e-commerce business and he said Kylie I need you to know it is the biggest problem in every single business no matter what size of business you have that people have to deal with so yep. how to manage your cash flow yeah and in fact and if you think about it it doesn't matter to your point it doesn't matter how big your business look at some of the very large businesses particularly in the construction space that are really struggling now because they they have had such a high demand and a boom and then they've had such high expenses that their cash flow has been thrown out the window and it's actually one of the biggest killers of a business is not managing your cash flow and going into that kind of living in debt when you don't have that revenue um, scheduled and you don't have really clear understanding of what your cash flow is so definitely love to chat about that next week awesome well i look forward to seeing you so jenny how can people get in touch with you so they can catch hold of me at elephant in the room au that's on insta and facebook best way to find me you can then reach out to our groups people purpose profit or reach out to me on my website and how about you kylie what's the best way to connect with you hello media.team and all the places and uh join our facebook group hello media Um, where I'm sharing all the latest updates and algorithm stuff. For example, just put a post in there yesterday saying, hey guys, did you know that Reels can now be 90 seconds and you can now do stickers on Reels, which is really important and exciting for engagement, getting people, you know, interacting with you. And also one of my favorite things is that on Instagram, you can now pin 
up to three posts at the top of your bio, which I love. So your favorite ones might be your introduction ones or whatever it is that you choose to do. You can now pin them, which, you know, like you can do with your Facebook business page. So I think that's awesome. So yeah, jump in that Facebook group if you want to be keeping up with what are the latest things that are happening. And maybe after we finish this financial year, I think maybe at the end, the week before, maybe the end of financial year, we we actually start talking about some of those big changes because they are significant changes, particularly in Instagram, which has changed so much from being a place to capture photos to now being one of the most popular social and sales channels for businesses. So I think I would love in a couple of weeks, let's finish off our financial year conversation and really focus on the value that that's going to bring to businesses in terms of as a sales channel, not just as a social media channel. Absolutely. I'm running a workshop this morning um, on reels. So basically short form video, because if you're not doing that on Instagram now, really, what are you doing? What are you doing there? Because my goodness, it is extraordinary the reach that you can get now with, with video. So I'm excited to be sharing about that this morning. And um, I look forward to uh, seeing you next week, Jenny, on Friday for a little more bite-sized conversations. Sounds amazing. Look forward to it. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye.